0: Okay, so we're going to try to look. The Sibayi Hasidus a lot of times focus in on a very, very small aspect of the parsha, and that opens up an entire world. And the Neshem Shmuel, in a couple of the years that he spoke, spoke about the same question. It says, or its Hamas, okay, which Rashi explains is Gezel, stealing. Now, take it as an axiom, Hazal already filled in, that the Dor HaMabul, was doing avodah zarah, idolatry, diloirayos, forbidden relations, and shvichut and murder. Okay, now it says though that no nechtam Ela al hadyeser. Yeah. Rashi brings that down. It says Hashem said, "I see that there's Hamas has got to go. The Khatimata din, the sealing of the din, was because of stealing." So the Shem Shmuel, who always asked these very kind of cutting questions, he said, it just doesn't make sense. In other words, there are different gradations of wrong things that are done. Right? Again, the Rambam says, any particular Avera Mitzvah, only Hashem knows how it's counted, how difficult the Nisoyen was for the person or how easy. Endless things go in there. But we can classify things according to, let's say, the punishments, The three Averat of Averat, Zorah, Gilai, Ras, and Shrichus Domim are Yeharic, Val, Yavor. Those are the three that, in the right circumstances, a Jew has to give up their life for that. Gezel, stealing, is classified as a lav, a mitzvah lotase, a negative commandment. So, why would it be that that would be the thing? It would seem to almost fade in comparison. If you want to try to take a little lesson from it and say, "Well, that shows you that interpersonal things are more important," murders are really bad interpersonal behavior. You know, that's that's like, that's there also, and yet that didn't seem to be that which would be chotem, which would seal the din. And what does that mean to seal the din? We tend to think that it's saying that kind of tipped the scales, but that's not what it says. Yeah, so we have to try to figure it out. The reason I like this piece is because it's an example of how the Sifri Hasir's drawing on the world of Sod to help us understand that every mitzvah in the Torah has much deeper levels than what seems, even if it seems to be a totally rational, understandable mitzvah. Gezel is totally understood to the extent that a person might think, why do we even need the Torah to tell us not to steal most governments, most societies came up with that idea themselves. It's, it's kind of a no-brainer. There are some of Hashem who say that that is exactly why it was viewed so harshly here in the Pasha. But there's much more behind it. Hashem Hashem brings the following. The Zorah Kodesh says that that <laughs> Right, whoever runs after things that are not his, what he has, he loses. Okay, so this is a fascinating thing. The Tsar is probably not just talking about if you're running after <clears throat> him to steal someone else's watch, you're gonna lose your watch. He's talking about something much more. He explains He Neikol Adam Shurash l'man. As we walk around here. Each person in this room, so what I can see of you, even what I can interact with you, is only one level of you. But each of us has a shurish, has a source above, that is our highest form of existence, so to speak. And that extends all the way into the us, into this world that enters this body. That's why in these books a lot of times they'll use the image of a foot going into a shoe the neshama coming into this world. When you put on your shoe, you're not living in your shoe. Right? Part of you is in the shoe. It's obviously connected to all of you, but it's there. Okay? So, he says the following. Rashi refers to this in the Gemara with this phrase, (inaudible) i'u chazi mazle chazle. Right? Sometimes a person can get a sense of something. A fear of something. An understanding that something's going on, we could call it an intuition, a a gut feeling. So the way the Gemara explains it is, your mazel is sensing it. Rashi says that's your sar namala, the power of you that is above you, which the Shemishmuel says that's your sheresh neshama, meaning with the senses that you have here in this world, even with your intellect that you have here in this world, you have no way of sensing that particular thing. But there are other levels of you that can. And sometimes you can get a vibration, a transmission from that type of sense. Now, constantly, he says, as we go through life, that neshama is sending messages into us. He (coughs) describes these messages as zaharurim, from the ocean of Zohar, which means a shine. You are getting flashes. You're getting flashes of light which are being sent into you from your very source now he says a person who wants to go and take from others, that means the person is declaring I want a different system of where I'm going to draw my life source from, I want to take it from him you then closed the transmission from your actual source that's what happens in Giza. In Gezel, he says, what's happening is that you are actually stealing yourself. He says, You're actually stealing from yourself. You're stealing your sense. Okay, so let's try to examine this and take a look at how it happened there in the Dor he explains this is why nechtam dinam ala geza. why the din would be sealed for the geza. because he says all sorts of averot that a person can do, they can be very bad, as we described those three geza. Please, this concept of closing ourselves off, stealing from doesn't apply to the other two averot. Correct. He, he says that explicitly. It's interesting. I'll, I'll read it to you. He says. He says that um, right, he says that even these uh, he says, all these other Ave, you're still you. You've done very bad things. And obviously that does create levels of separation and different things, but that line of transmission is still there. And those things can be sent. Now, he says, What are these zaharurin?" He says, This is what the Baal Shem Tov referred to in a famous question. in The Mishnah in Pirke says, khorev, oy me'el Every day a Baskel is transmitted from Harsinai. It says, Woe to Amiso from the insult to the Torah. The Baal Shem Tov asked a very practical question. Anybody ever hear it? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear it. You, you didn't hear it. Why is it transmitting? Nobody's. He says, you are hearing it. Every time you have that feeling deep inside, a sense that things aren't right, a sense of yearning for something to be right, a sense of even conscience, what we call, he says, that's the echo of that call. So even in those averas, he says, that's what's there. But he says, gezel? Gezel is deciding that I want to live a life which is not my life. Things which a person has are life-supporting, a life force, a person's money. You have the money which you have. That's part of you. When I decide to take someone else's money, I've now decided not to live my life, but to live another life. If you decide to live another life in this world, you've now lost that connection to your source. Therefore, he said, this was why it was so difficult for them to do truth. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Why yeah. is it just a lot? Of it? If, it, if it has such an unbelievable impact, why? Right. Why is that just a lot, of it and the others are? Right. Yeah. I'll have to skip it. I'll have to, <laughs> right? I'll I'll have to, sk- have to skip it. Okay. So he says like this: that in general, right? He said in the same way, the physical world mirrors the spiritual world. In the physical world, the things that we need for our livelihood, our Kadosh created different things that causes pain or discomfort in order to do the things that we need to do to live. If you don't eat long enough, you get hunger pangs. That gets you to eat. If your limb is infected or diseased, it'll cause pain. That'll cause you to get healed. In the same way, spiritually, a person does have things which come to them in their life, which attempt to wake them up and attempt to get them To become healed or to become whole. That's what gets lost over here. And therefore, they weren't able to do tshuva, even though Noach tried to teach them. Okay, again, there are questions, did Noach do enough? Did he not do enough? But Rashi even brings down the whole exercise of building the teva for all those years was so that people say, hey, stupid, what are you building that boat for? He says, well, because you guys have been really bad and God's going to bring a flood, And Noach was a tzadik, right? The different levels of tzadik they were talking about. But Noach is tzadik, Tomim, Hoyer, B'Dorosov. Such a person should have the power to affect somebody. How is it that his words bounced off of everybody in the generation? There wasn't a little core group, a little shul that Noach had, some shlibal of his chasidim that got his message. It didn't go. Huh? Yeah, those uh, were there. But it says, he says, this is exactly why. Please. So, I just want to add, Noah was also the Bill Gates of his generation. He transformed all of agriculture. He invented farming tools. He transformed the economy. You know, right. And it was, it was a very good life then. Everyone right. was living a very good everyone life. Looked, everyone looked up to him as he completely transformed as much as you can. in that generation of technology... That's who he was. Right. So he had a lot of built-in respect, yet And couldn't do So The Eshmul explains like this. When a tzaddik is speaking to someone to try to change them, to get them to change, he's speaking to that higher part of the person's self. And then when that higher part of the person absorbs that, then that enters the person's world and brings about real change. But if there's a disconnect in the person because of Gezel, Because of trying to draw your life force from elsewhere. So then, Noach could have been speaking to that higher part of the person's self, but it just wouldn't get there. And in fact, it says, not only did they not listen, but they scorned him and they cursed him. Shem says this is a principle that happens that when there's a gap in Kedusha, when a vacuum is created, so negativity comes in instead. So what happens is that the person losing that connection to his higher self, so the world has a balance of power. There's a negative side. And then the negative side can enter that vacuum, as tuma sometimes can enter where Kedusha was. So here this enters, and then the person, it's like your system has been hacked. Suddenly, instead of wanting the things that you should want, you find yourself wanting more and more negative things instead of being able to respond to things that would speak to your higher self, your system has been taken over. Now this sounds pretty hopeless, and it sounds pretty scary, because Chazal stated, they said, mi'utan ba'arayas, the Jewish people, usually there's always some of them who are having forbidden relations, kulam be'gezel, or I'm sorry, rubam be'gezel, the majority of them involved in stealing, the kulam to yourselves, either belashen hara, or b'avak so that means most of us have stolen in one way or another, right? So does that mean that we're cut off and we can't do? So first of all, he says that it, even if a person has had that disconnect and you don't get that help from your source above, he said still, <laughs> a person still has the ability to rebuild that connection. Right? It's very important to know that there's no connection that can't be rebuilt. There's an Archaim HaKadosh that explains that even kares, right, is something that can be rebuilt and reconnected. So the person can do it. And v'aday lo nina'alum imenu darche chuva. And Certainly the pathways of tshuva are not blocked to such a person. It's just a lot, a lot harder. Right? It's a, You're doing it without all of that extra assistance, understanding, perception, you could have if you were in touch with your higher self, but you're able to do that and you're able to rebuild. And he said, in fact, that's why the 40 days of rain were there. The flood could have taken come instantly. So he says, even though it's true, those rains came to bring the flood, but imasu'az tshuva, italem They could have done Truva then at that point. right? It, it would have been possible. So this is the scary thing, so to speak, that we see in terms of what you're stealing when you steal. When you're stealing, you're making a declaration that has results in terms of who I am, what my life is, and where I draw my life force from. Okay, but there's a positive side to it as well that a person has to realize. First of all, even though people... Occasionally, do take things that aren't theirs. If a person is not what's described in the Zorah Kadosh, the rohit basar or the rodaf basar, the that you're pursuing things that aren't yours. Note the Zorah doesn't use the language. You're taking things that aren't yours. You're running after things that aren't yours. Meaning that that's your way of life. That's what you want. You want things that are outside of you. It could be, and here I'm extending it, that this is even what's meant by that that a person who hates presence lives. Okay, now again, you have to realize in the practical, or Deser explains this in his famous that a lot of times accepting presents is a form of giving, right? But to be a person that's always looking and wheedling and hoping to get gifts, even that makes the person looking to be getting things that aren't his. Right, That could be negative. They say a story about the Briskarov here in Yerushalayim, that somebody came very late on Purim to bring him Shalachmonas, and the Briskarov went out to his Mirpeset and he looked up at the sky, and then he took the Shalachmonas. So the person said, you know, why'd you do that? He says, Sonu In general, I don't want to take gifts. I was changing. If it's still Purim, you take Shalachmonas. It <laughs> wasn't Purim anymore, I don't want the gift. <laughs> so it can be such a thing of this idea of appreciating that which you have. This is also the idea of Ezehu Asher asamech BeChelko. We tend to explain Ezehu Asher asamech BeChelko because really what we mean when we say Asher, that's why Chazal ask it as a question, is that a person feels happy and satisfied. We imagine that somebody with millions of dollars feels like that, but it's telling you, no, that person who's happy with what he has doesn't. But here perhaps the explanation is even more. A person who is happy with the things that are his, he is rich because he's then connected to his higher self, to the transmission of everything that he's supposed to be. He's receiving his life to live the life as he's supposed to live it. That's the full Ashirut that a person is supposed to have. We can also understand with this why Chazal tell us that Tzadikim Chaviv Alem Mamonam. Yaakov Avinu and a few Pashas going for those pachim ketanim, those little jars, those little items that he left. Why is it that the tzaddikim, those things that they have, mamon can mean both money and possessions, because those things that actually come to you in the natural and legitimate and legal way, those are part of your life. Those are part of how you are supposed to live your life. It's a beautiful story about two Sadikim of Yerushalayim who lived around here, trying to remember the names. <clears> I can't remember right now, but they lived here in the Batiran, the Bat-Ibroidi type of area. So they were very elderly and they had a discussion one morning that sounded uh, sounded very strange. One of them said to the other, this morning I woke up and Hashem gave me a shlichus. I said, really? Hashem gave you a shlichus? his friend said. What was it? He gave me a shlichus to find my shoes. And Baruch Hashem, within minutes I was successful. <laughs> it sounds straight. But in reality, that's true. Meaning part of your life, living the life that Hashem wants you to live, is to have the shoes that He gave you and to get them on your feet. That's that's part of it. That's part of your mammon. That's part of yourself. A person who is not looking outside of himself understands that those things that I have that are part of me, that are mine, those things are intimately connected to who I am and what I'm supposed to be doing. It enables you to value them, enables you to enjoy them, and you are careful with them. There's a story that I love that I saw that was told by the Panova Jerov. It was Shlomo Gahanaman. He was in a yeshiva in Lithuania. And in that town in Lithuania, there was a group of Slonim or Hasidim. Slonim was a city in Lithuania. Slonim was one of the Hasidic movements that spread in Lithuania. So there was a shul there, Salonim al Suddenly they saw that signs went up and big things were happening. The Rebbe was going to come for Shabbos. So he said, we had never seen a Rebbe. So we all went to go see. We went to the Tish Friday night. And he said the Rebbe came in and the, the Tish, he started singing the Zmiras and he seemed to be in the higher worlds. And I was already starting to get thoughts. I'm ditching this Litvak thing and I'm, I'm going with them. And then he said, at the end of one of the thong- songs, the Rebbe called over his Gabbai. He said, there are a lot of people here who we don't know. Maybe take my fur coat and lock it up in the room. He said, I felt such a crash, such a disappointment. He said, here I thought he was high and holy and bare. Eh, like my fur coat, maybe somebody will steal it or something. He said, but that was when I was young and not so smart. Later, as I learned more, I realized that that's part of Kedusha. That's part of Avar Sashem. To value those things that Hashem gave you and to take care of them, and to treasure them, that is part of it. it doesn't mean you can't give it away to a poor person, as many said they can do it. if you need to. That can be part of the purpose of what you have. But that's the idea of seeing and understanding all those things. There's a story, there are a few stories uh, that have happened nowadays even. And it's strange that it's a particular genre of story of people who, after they died, came back, let's say, to a family member and asked them to pay off a certain debt. Or I, I've heard, I've read a variety of stories, really all within recent years. There was one where the, 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 I know people who know the person, the name was given. There was a certain rabbi who passed away, and he came to one of his children in a dream, and he said, could you please settle up financially with Mr. So-and-so? who lives in Ramot, in Yerushalayim. So they went running to him. What had happened? There had been a car accident. They had some kind of, you know, bumper-thumper there in the street. And there was a bit of an argument as to who was responsible. And this fellow who lived in Ramot felt that this rabbi was responsible for the damage. They argued he didn't have Koch to go to the Torah. He didn't want to... He dropped it. But he still felt that he was wronged. So they came... And, uh, and the, they asked if they could please pay for the damage to the car um, with that. A story of a man who, um, who passed away and he came to one of his children again in a dream. And he said, There was a safer, this happened in Lakewood, New Jersey. He said, There was a safer that I had taken from the shelves in the yeshiva and I put it down in the coat room and I never put it back on the shelves. It's under a pile of like towels in the quarter, could you please put it back? A story about a young man who had gone with some friends to a mikveh and he didn't have the ten shekel or whatever to put in a mikveh. So he asked his friends to please put it in and he would pay them back. And again, he came back. Now, again, if we say Rubam begezel, most Jews have stolen things at some point. Why is it everybody's not, you know, like getting dreams every night from somebody? <laughs> yeah, excuse me, like, you know, I got like $150 here and, you know, that vase that I have, you should really go back to this one. Why aren't the, all those happening all the time? So the answer that I saw, I think it was Ramil Melech Biren said it, he said that these were people who lived their life in the opposite way of what the Zohar is describing. The Zohar describes that a person who's a person who runs after things that aren't his he disconnects from himself. A person who really tries in life not to take from other people things that he shouldn't, who tries to be honest, who tries to be straight, it's hard to do so. But a person who really tried in life, sometimes they have that extra source to be able to tie up those loose ends that are there. So that shows that the very desire to do so. In other words, I don't want to depress people here with thinking, you know, oh my gosh, we're all a bunch of robbers, we've all lost our connection to our higher selves, etc. Right? The idea is that if a person is not a rodif, not one who's dreaming about making that easy kill, getting the money out of other pockets, other people's pockets into theirs, doesn't matter how, it doesn't matter which way. But a person who wants those things that are theirs, who wants to not harm people, take from people, other things, such a person, right, has a connection to themselves, a connection to their life, and um, the very idea of wanting. It's a beautiful story. People wonder sometimes how Hasidim got the name Hasidim. It sounds pretty arrogant to call your movement the Hasidim, right? The Hasidim. When you look in the books that were there before, right? The, uh, the Hasidic movement, Messil starts off. You sowed ha Hasidus and right, is meaning that's this huge level of avodah that you're trying to get to, right? And here, just because some guy, you know, dresses a certain way and he's hearing Javuz uh, morning, suddenly he's a chassid, right? Why, why, why does that do it? So I saw, I heard this actually from a descendant of Ruben Tzian Halberstam of Babov. So he was in a train station once with some of his young chassidim. And uh, there was a man who was not a great fan of chassidim, came over to him. He said, Rabbi, these are your Hasidim? Yes. He says, you call those Hasidim? Teenage boys. He says, those are Hasidim? He said, why are you here in the train station? He said, to take a train. He said, which train? He said, the Krakow train. It is the Kruk they called it. The Krakow train. He said, why do you call it the Krakow train? We're not in Krakow. He says, because it goes to Krakow. He said, that's why we call these Hasidim. It's where they're trying to get to. It's where they're heading. So the Zohar gave terms of how you are rodef, what you are rodef in life. Are you running after things that aren't yours? Are you running after being the most that you can be, being happy with what you have, utilizing the things you have as you can, thinking of others? If a person's on that track, so we're all human, we make mistakes, but I think we're not in that category which is over there. And a person that's connected to that, that's connected to themselves, has a tremendous power. The more we can clear the pipes in our connection to who we are, that gives us a power of bracha, a power beyond just ourselves. If the frightening picture of Dor HaMabol was that they became people who are simply what's here is all there is. That's what you have to work with. As opposed to that Huge self that we can be connected to. So this I'll finish was a story that I saw. It was a strange story. I don't remember the exact details, but I think this Shemishmuel helped me have an understanding of it. There was a man who was a simple Hasidish Jew, and suddenly people started going to him for brachas. It was one of these word of mouth things that people are going, you know, to get brachas from this man. And the word on the street was, this guy's brachas are grade A brachas. Right? This, is, this is the place to go. Now, you do find in a variety of these stories that when a person has a, an exceptional kocha, bracha, sometimes there's a little worry about that. right? There's a worry that maybe this comes from a, a negative source. There are negative energies in the world as well. what You can call in the books, kocha, satuma, and things like this. So, some people of authority heard about this and they sent someone to try and follow around this guy, figure out who he is. Is he a hidden tzaddik? Right? Did they catch him, you know, at some point in the middle of the night learning the holy things? They followed him around. Normal guy. He worked, I think it was for Israel aircraft industry, as like a you know, factory line worker putting together airplane parts or something. He would go to shul, he learned a little. He wasn't particularly knowledgeable. He dabbled like everybody else. What they noticed was one thing. They discovered that on Thursday, when he would finish his day of work, he would walk out. They had the old kind of time clock. He would put a card in. He would clock in, and he would go back and work another hour. And they spoke to like the guard. At the, why does he do that? He says, ah, he's always worried that he like, stole company time. So he does another hour, not on the clock, to fill those things in. So the Rav who heard about this said, that must be the Korach With this, maybe we can understand. We are all tremendously powerful. This Sar Mala that we all have, this higher Neshama that we all have, is incredibly powerful. If we were able to harness, so to speak, to transmit the power from that aspect of ourselves without the pipelines being closed or polluted or all these things, we would probably all have Kaha bracha, Right? That's, that's probably all where it comes from. So this is a tremendous motivation, I think, to try to to live that kind of life. And it's not an all or nothing. In Judaism, every tiny little bit, every tiny gradient of progress which we make, opens the pipes more, opens the bracha more, connects us more in order to be able to do these things. But I think this is also a very good example of trying to just have the sense that when the Torah tells you something like, don't steal, you say, okay, that's a no-brainer, don't steal. Those who are able to delve into the Torah like the Shemish was and see really what those things are doing, suddenly were able to see and sense. And now we see why Nechtam Zardinam Al Hageze. The other Averas, as bad as they were, connections were still there. This was where they lost that connection to the extent that even Noach the Tzadik and the Tzadik's tafid is to connect the person down here with their higher self. Right. Again, I guess we'll finish with another famous story. I keep finishing with stories, but this one, maybe we'll really. Um, right. People who've been to Eastern Europe on these trips know that there's this famous shul in Krakow called Isaac's shul. So the story behind Isaac's shul is that there was a Jew called Isaac in Krakow, and he had a dream, and in his dream he saw very vividly a bridge in Vienna, and a voice told him, under the third pillar, right, just by the third pillar of that bridge, there's buried treasure. So, for Isaac to figure out how to get to Vienna was a major undertaking, and he saved up the money, and he found out how to get there, and he goes at night, you know, to try quietly to dig up his treasure, and lo and behold, the Viennese policeman comes and shines his lantern on him, says, Jew, what are you doing? He didn't really have a good answer, aside from the truth. He says, my name's Isaac. I come from Greco. I had a dream. I saw this bridge. I saw that there was buried treasure right under the air. Policeman said, that's really weird, because last night I had a dream, and I saw a house in Krakow, and a voice said, this is a house of a Jew named Isaac in Krakow. Under his stove, there's treasure. So Isaac went back to Krakow, dug under his stove, and he found the treasure. With that money, he built this shoal, which is one of the few shoals that is still standing there it's today. Still, it's still the only Really? Wow. So so Yud Vashischa said, I'll tell you what that story means. That story is the story of why a chassid goes to a rebbe. Meaning, people think if I go to the right tzaddik, if I go to the right rebbe, he gives me like a radioactive piece of herring and I get spiritual superpowers. You know, or he's, he's just gonna, he's gonna say, suki at me, or he'll do something that will transform me. You're going to have him reveal to you the treasure that you have under your stove. To be able to connect to yourself, to discover yourself to be able to unleash the powers that you have in yourself by living in the way that you're supposed to, that's in sync with who you're really supposed to be. That's the Tafkit of the Tzadik, to try to do that and to connect us up in that way. So, like I say, it's a lifetime of work, and uh, it's... The Chazal were honest in saying that they knew, number one, they say that Gezel is something that people want very much. It's... Uh, Nafshul shel Adam the Chazal said... It's a very powerful desire in different ways. And they say that most of us have an aspect, but at least if we turn the rudder of the ship, that that's not what we're aspiring to, but that's what we're running from. So then hopefully it'll open up those kochas of bracha for ourselves and for everyone else. And especially, especially enable people to be Khaverim like they're supposed to be. When you have people that are just trying to grab for themselves, right, Ruchaim Shmulevitz's famous word, it says, The door of Rabbi Huda bar was described as isha yiras Hashem hitis halo. They said, why was the generation of Rabbi Hudda Bar referred to by that tremendous phrase? It says because in his generation there were shisha sechad Torah. Six people would cover themselves with one talis and learn Torah. So the simple explanation is they were really poor and they still learned Torah. Chaim Shalevitz said no. He said if you've ever tried like to share a blanket with somebody. The only way it can work is if each person is trying to make sure the other person is covered. If you're trying to make sure the other person is covered, then six people can be miskasavitali So that's the idea of chaverim. that's the roots of this show and this kehila, and hopefully getting together to learn. And good chodesh, chodesh Tov.